This is episode 527 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, The Top Bartering Skills to Have Post-Collapse. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by Audible. Now, Audible Books allows you to listen to the best books when you are on the go. I love to listen to podcasts and audiobooks and learning while I stay busy doing other things. Now, right now, Audible is offering two free audiobook downloads when you join Audible for a trial period. So for more information, click the link in the show notes or go to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com forward slash audible. All right, everyone. So finally getting back to articles from Prepper Website as we normally do on this podcast. I'm going to have to apologize. I'm a little stuffy right now. Uh, I think I've just inhaled a lot of pollen. Things are going crazy. We, there's a lot of green. That little green powder just is everywhere. And so I think it's really affecting me. So anyway, I apologize here. I have a little bit of the sniffles and congestion. And so I'm going to deal with it as we push through on this podcast episode. Our article of the podcast comes to us from ModernSurvivalOnline.com. And the article, again, is entitled The Top Bartering Skills to Have Post-Collapse. Now, bartering, bartering skills, items to barter, that's always a topic that seems to be of interest to other people. Right now on Prepper website, I have a bartering article that seems to be pretty popular. People want to know what kinds of things they should be bartering, right? And so I'm going to read this article. I think there's some good things in here. I want to come back and talk and give a little bit of commentary. Actually, I'm probably going to give a little bit of commentary as we go and at the end as well, because I wrote an article on bartering with some good resources that I'm going to point you to if you want to go and read. And even uh, there's a couple of videos on there that I thought were really good. But, uh, you know, there's there's some things that I don't agree with uh, here on this on this article. And so I'll share those or share my thoughts with you. Of course, like always, it's my commentary, it's my thoughts, my opinion as uh, as we move through this article. So let's go ahead and start uh, again for coming from ModernSurvivalOnline.com, the top bartering skills to have post-collapse. When preparing for a doomsday disaster, we must also prep to survive, perhaps even thrive, during what comes next. Stockpiling items for bartering purposes is a common prepping practice but thinking beyond what might be needed after an apocalyptic event could vastly enhance the chances of long-term survival. Now, eventually, society will begin to reform and a new normal will emerge. Exactly how long that will take and what it will look like will depend on both the type of SHTF incident and where you live. There are numerous articles floating around the internet that provide lengthy lists detailing what items preppers should stockpile for bartering during an SHTF scenario. Some of those articles even discuss quality bartering items, but none go into great detail or really think outside the box, like we are about to do right here. Seed packets, canning supplies, socks, gloves, and similar items will make good bartering materials both during and after an apocalyptic event. 
But the most valuable bartering items take up no space at all, knowledge. The tools that might be necessary to help you apply your knowledge will require some storage space, but not nearly as much as a gross of toilet paper rolls. All right, so I just, you know how I feel about toilet paper. I'm always gonna wanna have toilet paper rolls. Anyway, what you know and what you can do will be the most profitable prep you can possess when striving to rebuild the life of your family after surviving a long-term disaster. All right, so kidding aside, I will say I do agree with that. Knowledge is one of those things that would be very, very helpful, very beneficial. Again, we're going to touch on uh, you know a lot of this stuff here as we go through the article, uh, but also the tools to to help move that knowledge forth is going to be very important, kind of like what they're already talking about here. So the more pioneer, off-grid living, survival, homesteading, and bushcraft skills you have, at least a working knowledge of, and the manual tools necessary to accomplish the task, the greater the odds you will be able to not only provide for your family, but carve out a significant niche from then in the emerging new world. So where you live will play a significant role in the type of skilled services that will be in demand after a long-term disaster. But some skills will have nearly universal demand. All right, so the top six bartering skills. Number one is medical training. Doctors, nurses, paramedics, emergency medical technicians, nurses, aides, veterinarians, vet assistants, military medics, and any other who have engaged in professional first aid and emergency aid training will be able to barter their skills both during and after an SHTF scenario. Okay, I do I do agree with that one. I think that one's very significant. Number two, construction or carpentry. Skilled craftsmen and women will also be in a high demand during the societal rebuilding phase. Structures, furniture, and roadways will need to be both repaired and entirely rebuilt after a doomsday disaster. Okay, so I don't know how much roads, roads are going to be repaired and, and things are going to be focused on in that aspect of it. Roads uh, tend to, you know, you tend to think that there is some kind of city, state, you know, federal government in place that are that's able to maintain those roads. So I don't know so much about that. Number three is a mechanic. Depending upon the type of disaster, modern equipment might still be able to be repaired. In the case of an EMP, solar flare, or cyber attack that takes down the power grid, antique and non-sensitive motors and similar equipment will become highly sought-after commodities, as will people who can work on them. You know, when I read that, I'm reminded of the the guy or the character in the Lights Out uh, series, or at least the book. It's been such a long time since I've read that, but that he was able to repair Volkswagen Bugs. And so I can't remember exactly how he did it. Like I said, it's been such a long time, but uh, he was able to do that. All right, so water treatment. If you know how to purify water and have the supplies to do so, you also possess a powerful bartering skill. If you have supplies to collect and store water in small containers for barter after purifying, your family will have a solid post-SHTF business plan, especially if you are able to write out the apocalypse in an urban or suburban area where natural water sources and a self-reliant populace are definitely not in great abundance. Okay, so I'm kind of getting to the first of the points where I really don't agree 100%. I think water treatment is going to be one of those things, maybe initially, where people 
don't know what to do and don't know how to do it, especially if they don't have a water filter or something like that. I think people understand that, you know, boiling water will be, uh, you know, something that needs to be done and, you know, even distilling water and, and if they have the materials to do that. But I think that news is going to travel very fast. So as people are drinking water that they're not supposed to be drinking or that has, you know, the bad stuff in there that causes them to get sick and, uh, you know, have diarrhea and all that kind of stuff. And people start going through that information is going to travel very, very quickly. And people are going to start realizing what they need to do in order to have clean water. So whether it's if they don't have the water filters, like they don't have the Hydro Blue Versa Flow, right, which I suggest and which I've been promoting for a while now, if they don't have something like that or actually have multiple ones of those because they're so cheap and it'd be smart to have a bunch of those. But if they don't have those, then building your own water filter is not that hard to do. And eventually, like I said, the knowledge of that will be will be spread. And so building a business off of that, I don't think will be viable. All right. So moving on to number five, it's farmer or rancher. People need food to survive. If you can grow or raise food and hold on to your breeders during the doomsday disaster, you now have a market of survivors who will be eager to not only barter for food, but for livestock to cultivate their own eggs, milk, meat, and transportation. Even in a non-rural environment, if it is possible to grow crops and typically to at least raise a few chickens. As I always recommend, all preppers should live in a rural environment. The impact in doing so will enhance the family's chances of survival more than anything else you can do to prepare. All right, so moving on, I'm not going to touch too much on that last little paragraph because there's pros and cons all the way around uh, that as far as preppers living in a rural environment. Again, it's going to determine on what the SHTF scenario is and how bad it gets, right? All right, number six is transportation. During a disaster, people will only be on the road if doing so is absolutely essential. But once a new normal emerges and society begins rebuilding itself, survivors will eventually be going to trading posts. Children will be attending a revamped version of the old one-room schoolhouse and engaging in both bartering and social contact with nearby communities. Horses, horse-drawn wagons, ATVs, and trucks that can run on biodiesel, biodiesel fuel could eventually be the only modes of transportation left. People who own horses and working vehicles, as well as being able to grow and make their own biodiesel ingredients, could become a post-apocalyptic millionaire. All right, so I don't know about that specifically, I think that if you were really in a post-apocalyptic uh, situation, I think bicycles would be one of those things that would be in high demand. And you could do a lot with bicycles, biodiesel and stuff like that. It does take some level of expertise to be able to do that. Would you be able to barter that biodiesel? I think so. But you still need those raw materials to be able to do so. So it's one of those things, I don't know about being a millionaire, but as you can get, you know, things that you can make biodiesel out of, you know, oil and stuff like that, and you can find that, maybe you can salvage that from, from vehicles or whatever that, that are not running anymore. But I think that's just so much, there's so much that you can do there. So anyway, something to think about if you have that expertise. All right, so let's transition into the top 15 
self-reliant skills that double as prime bartering skills. So number one is butchering. Meat will no longer come in carefully wrapped little packages from a grocery store after a doomsday disaster. Even in rural areas where most men and many women know how to hunt, far less than many know how to butcher their own meat or own their own modern or non-electric tools to do so. Okay, so I think that's very true. Again, I think eventually people learn how to do that kind of stuff as they need to. Knowledge starts to, uh, you know, knowledge starts to increase in those fields, right? Number two is grain milling. Like meat, bread won't be packaged and sold in stores anymore either. Learn how to not only grow, but harvest and grain your own wheat and or traditional wheat substitutes that can be used to break or bake bread. All right, so grain milling. I, I think, I don't know if that's going to be a bartering tool uh, or a bartering skill. I do think that the ability to grain mill, you know, that you have uh, a mill that you can barter or something along those lines, I think that would be very, very beneficial to people. Um, so that's one of those things. I don't think it's a, a skill, but it would be an item if you had something like that, would be valuable. Number three is dairy. If you have cows and or dairy goats, learn how to make butter, cheese, and other dairy products that will be otherwise unavailable. Pygmy or dwarf goats, as well as miniature cow breeds like Dexter's, are small enough to be kept on low acreage parcels of land. The little goats could even be kept in a spacious suburban backyard. Number four is composting. Cultivating rich compost and bartering pots or bags of it for other goods and services. All right, so I think, again, composting is not one of those things that would be something that you can barter. I think, again, people start talking. You need to start composting. How, how are you going to, you know, people that normally would go to the store and buy fertilizer and different things like that, they're going to, you know, say, hey, what do we do here? And people are going to like, you need to compost. Well, what do we do to compost? And they'll give them the information to do that. And they'll start doing that, right? And so I think, I don't think people will start composting and selling compost. I think people will just start composting on their own. Number five, blacksmith. The ability to fabricate tools, knives, and parts for machinery, as well as working with horseshoes, will once again become a lucrative career choice, right? So I think that's going to be important. And if you're not necessarily living in a suburban area, or I'm sorry, in a rural area, if you're living maybe in a suburban, and depending on the situation, right, if you really had to barter, having the ability to make, you know, metal parts, I think would be very important. And so, you know, if you have motors that have uh, seized or you have, you know, machinery that has uh, needs to be repaired and someone can uh, mill their own metal pieces or, you know, they need to have a, a repair for whatever reason. I think that would be very valuable. Uh, you see a lot of that like on Facebook, on those videos where people are, are doing things and they're creating things. I mean, having that kind of skill, uh, being able to weld and, and do those things, I think that would be very important uh, to have. Number six is a farrier. A horse's health depends largely upon its hooves and legs. A quality farrier will be in high demand in rural and possibly even suburban areas. Running a livery stable, along with working as a farrier or partnering with a blacksmith, could further enhance bartering opportunities. All right, number seven, seamstress. 
Clothing will need not only to be mended or darned, but made from scratch as it once was. A survivor who can sew, knit, crochet, and or spin cotton and wool will be able to not only provide the materials necessary for others to make and repair their own clothing, but sell finished products as well. Again, I think that seamstresses or the ability to sew, I think that's going to come back. That's going to be a knowledge that people just start to gain and start to work from. I think that if you are talking about making things from scratch eventually when things, if we were in a true apocalyptic scenario and things were completely, you know, you know, Jericho, for those of you who remember the show Jericho, whatever, a lot of the the novels that we read, like Lights Out and stuff like that, things get back to normal and you're wanting a nice dress for some kind of you know special occasion, then maybe a seamstress in that regard. But for the most part, just for taking care of things around the house, you know, like uh, sewing up, uh, sewing patches on buttons and hemming things up and stuff like that, I think people will start to figure that out on their own. And uh, that kind of, that's the kind of a skill that will just you know, that, that people will just begin to talk about and pass on. I don't think you're going to go to someone just to get something patched up. All right, number eight. So this one is a skill, an important skill, gunsmith. Helping a fellow survivor repair their firearm or reload ammunition during the SHTF event could come back to haunt you. But once society is on the rebound and rebuild, a gunsmith, especially one that can also make a repair bows, could become or could become a bartering kingpin. All right, so I think a, a true guns, gunsmith is going to possibly have the ability to defend themselves as well. So I don't know uh, if it would come back to haunt them in an SHTF scenario. But anyway, uh, that's uh, I think that would be a very important skill to have. Number nine is a teacher. Now, children will need to learn at least the survival and homesteading basics if the new society is going to be successful. It is doubtful a teaching degree will be required to educate children after an SHTF event, but a background in an educational counseling or homeschooling field would be a plus. You know, when I was preparing for this uh, podcast, I was reading that. I was reminded of a teacher that I used to work with back when The Walking Dead started coming out and everybody was talking about zombies and blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Um, she always would joke around that her husband said, like, during the zombie apocalypse, you wouldn't be any good because you really don't know how to do too much stuff, you know. And she was like a young teacher and he was just, you know, it was more of a joke, right? Um, but I, I would always tell her, no, you would be very valuable because you're a, you're a really good teacher. And so when society started to normalize again, people are going to want to give you their kids so that you can teach them, right? So, uh, you know, there are, there's, there's, there'll be that need out there. Probably more than likely, a lot of people will do their own teaching and homeschooling and stuff like that. But I think eventually, you know, there would be that. And having someone who had the experience to, to teach uh, and, and could get kids moving a lot faster, I think that would be something that people would be willing to pay for, right? Or at least to barter uh, back and forth, which brings me to this next one, which is uh, a firefighter. Now, I, I'm gonna, I want to talk just a little bit about this one. So fire engines might not still be rolling after the SHTF event, but that does not mean fire cannot be fought. Creating a fire department, even one that functions via an old-fashioned bell ringing system using buckets and low-tech pumpers, 
hauled by wagons can help prevent flames from destroying the communities run by survivors during the rebuilding phase. Firefighting knowledge and protection services can be bartered for food, clothing, and other valuable tangible goods. All right, so let me talk a little bit about this. I don't know so much about firefighting, right? And the idea you would have to be in, uh, I'm thinking like an old Western, right? Where there are, you know, people are living right next to each other. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what I'm imagining if you're talking about having some kind of a fire department. Because if you're talking about in a rural setting and you see, you know, people from far away, there's no way ringing a bell is going to bring a bunch of different firemen all together all at once, right? So definitely people would be going into gear to make sure that they could make fire breaks and stuff like that because they wouldn't want fire crossing over into their property and burning up their homes. But that's why I imagine if you were in a SHTF scenario, you're talking about a like a small, like something that you see in a Western, right? That type, or maybe in a neighborhood, right? In a neighborhood where uh, it's trying to get by a suburban na- neighborhood, you've got a fire department going, right? And you have the people that are experiencing experienced in fighting fires that, you know, you keep them kind of on a payroll somehow, bartering and whatever. So I was thinking about this and not necessarily for firefighting, but for protection like police or security guards. And I remember, you know, one of Mark Goodwin's books does have that. There is a town where there is a police department in place and the way that they survive is because people are, you know, bartering with them or giving them, you know, the things that they need to survive to be able to do their job. Because if not, then they would have to go and they would have to plant their own gardens and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So I think having a security force or a police department, I think that would be uh, very beneficial to, to have. And if you had that skill, hopefully people would want to barter in order to have that protection. Moving on to number 11 is engineer. Now, a survivor with engineering skills will be able to help his or her fellow community members not only repair and rebuild structures, but devise off-the-grid energy systems. All right, so I think I mentioned that show, and I think it was Discovery Channel or National Geographic or whatever, but uh, there was two seasons of The Colony. And so basically these people that are put together for an apocalyptic scenario. And so the first group, the first season, it was somewhere in Los Angeles. The second season, it was a group in uh, Louisiana somewhere. But that first season, they really stacked it, right? So they had all these different people. And one of the guys that was there, he was this engineer and he had all this knowledge and he was able to come up with all this cool stuff, right? And so, uh, and it was just Uh, you know, they were able to get a bunch of batteries. They were able to get solar panels. They were able to get the solar panels to follow the sun. So, you know, somebody didn't have to go out there and move solar panels all the time. And so they had this guy, I mean, this engineer, and he was able to come up with all this cool stuff. And so, you know, that's one of those things. If you have that ability and you just have that knowledge of how things work and how things are supposed to, you know, you're able to problem solve those things, that's going to be a skill. Whether you have a degree or not, that would be a, a very valuable skill. Number 12, guys, I don't know so much about this one, but basket weaving. So baskets will be used to tote crops, fish, small game, and general wares from place to place. I don't necessarily agree with that or the next one, which is a potter. 
Plates, cookware, and storage pots will need to be replaced, and there will not likely be factories still in existence making and shipping them to a local Walmart. So let's just take for example, you know, when we read our dystopian novels or whatever, and well, let's just go back to the whole EMP thing, right? If there was an EMP, they say that 90% of the population in the United States will be dead within a year. There's going to be plenty, if that's the case, right? Or any apocalyptic scenario, there's going to be plenty of pottery to go go around, right? I mean, that means you would go into someone's house who wasn't living any longer, an abandoned home. But if you needed plates and silverware and stuff, it would be there, right? That's not something that people are going to loot necessarily. If you needed baskets and stuff and things to carry things, you're going to find that. That's going to be easy, right? So I don't necessarily agree with that. Number 14 is a cobbler. Now, if you can learn to make and repair shoes and tan animal hides to make moccasins and boots, these would make sound post SHTF careers or at least in-demand bartering skills. Now, I do agree a little bit more with this one. Again, I do believe there's still going to be a lot of clothes. There's going to be a lot of shoes. There's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff laying around at least for, uh, you know, uh, a certain amount of time, right? But eventually, I think, or if you had any kind of specialty shoes, I think that would be something that you would want help with and uh, somebody that you might go to, especially if you're looking for a specific kind of shoe and you can't find it, uh, you know, just just around. So number 15, I think this is an important one, is a ham radio operator. Now, having the skills and necessary equipment to communicate with the outside world, which can mean locals even only 40 miles away, will allow you to help keep the emerging community safe from roving hordes, fires, and spreading diseases. The sharing of news and relaying of messages could be used as a philanthropic bartering skill to help put food on your table. So I think ham radio operation, and not necessarily for uh, just the ability to get on and turn a knob, right? There's more to it than that, but I think the bigger thing is having the equipment and having more than a baofeng where you're able to communicate long distances or as much as you can. Having that type of equipment, I think, is going to be a little bit more rare than people realize. I think a lot of people have baofengs and you have those, you know, the cheaper ham radios that are like five watt radios. But for the most part, the big stuff where it allows you to communicate far away, I think that's going to be a little bit more rare. And so if you have that, I think that that's going to be valuable. Number 16 is a chimney sweep. This is yet another job from the 1800s era that will be useful again in a post-apocalyptic world. Although it is not skilled labor, as many of the bartering skills on this list are, a person with the tools and ability to climb onto a roof and free a chimney of soot to prevent fires will still have something of value to trade in exchange for a meal or a gently used coat. All right, guys, again, the chimney sweep, I don't believe that's going to be one where you're going to find a lot of work on. So I think that instead people will realize that they need to clean their uh, their chimneys or they need to clean out their 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 pipes, their stove pipes and different things like that. Um, hopefully you wouldn't see a whole lot of fires happening. People would be smart about it. But I think for the most part, that's not something that people are going to just jump on. And so I, I don't know that if I would put a lot of stock in having chimney sweep abilities right number 17 is a lathe maker or sawmill operator 
A survivor who can cut wood into boards and operate an off-the-grid, especially portable sawmill, can help rebuild homes, a trading post, and provide the means to make furniture in the new society. Okay, so again, I think that depending on what kind of SHTF scenario we're talking about, I think people would more likely go pull boards off if they needed to repair their homes, pull boards off of an older home or another home and bring them as opposed to trying to mill new boards, right? So I think that's just my opinion, but that's just the way that that I would think the things would happen because you're just not having, you know, people wouldn't have uh, all those, uh, the tools to be able to do that. I mean, people do have them, but they're, they're going to be a little bit more rare. Number 18, again, I don't completely agree with this one either, logger. Now, firewood will become far more valuable than precious gems in a burgeoning society that is now living off the grid. Cutting, splitting, and hauling firewood to both neighbors and nearby communities will offer a prime bartering service in a post-SHTF world. I, okay, again, I don't believe that. I believe people will go out there, they will cut down their own trees, they will, uh, they will harvest their own firewood, they would cut it up and they do everything, you know, all of that. I think a lot of people are going to hurt themselves because they're not used to it and they don't have experience with it and they do it incorrectly. I think there's going to be a lot of axes that go through people's shins and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, you just, you can just kind of imagine that, but I, I just don't think people would pay to have or barter to have something like wood uh, brought to their door when they would go out and do it. Now, possibly that could be that could be something that happens. I just don't believe that would be it. When you're talking about having minimal resources, yeah, I don't think you're going to spend precious resources on having wood brought to your to your door to be able to use. And again, with number nineteen, a brick maker. Raw building materials and skilled labor who know how to lay them will be in high demand as well. Again, I don't, that's just my, guys, again, it's my opinion. Uh, I don't believe a brick maker would be in high demand. And number 20, I do believe this one would be in very high demand. And I do believe that if you were going to do something, maybe that uh, get a skill that you could use going into SHTF, this might be the one that you might want to do. And with a little bit of investment, I think you could really pull this off. Number 20 is Spirits Maker. Now, many preppers stockpile alcohol for medicinal use as a morale booster and for bartering. Instead of just boxing up fifths of Jack Daniels and rum, learning how to distill your own spirits, and perhaps planning to become a post-SHTF saloon keeper will open up multiple avenues for bartering. Okay, so I don't know about becoming a saloon keeper, but I think that that would be very valuable. Again, people can use the you know the booze for medicinal properties for uh, using it to to clean wounds and different things like that and then also you're going to have a big big segment of people out there that are just going to want to uh, you know lose their sorrows in the bottom of a of a bottle right which I don't completely agree with being a person of faith but you know there is that aspect of you could do this and that is something that you can put a little bit of investment and figure out how to do it although of course i am not telling you to do anything legal or something that is against the law or anything like that of course disclaimers 
but that's something that you could do and figure out how to learn. And that's possibly a, a skill that you could utilize with the SHTF. All right. So let me go ahead and finish this out. A couple of more paragraphs, and then I'm just going to share uh, something with you, an article that I wrote a while back. So bartering of services could be conducted on either a large or small scale, depending upon your capabilities, means of transportation, and the level of safety present during the societal rebuilding phase. While the list of bartering skills highlights some of the most in-demand services that can be bartered, it is by no means exhaustive. To learn more about what skill trades that mesh with your own interests, with readily available materials, and which will be in demand in your region, research 1800-era occupations and trades. All right, so that's the end of this article. Again, that's coming to us from Modern Survival, uh, modernsurvivalonline.com. And so I just wanted to, to say, last episode, we talked a little bit about the economic spiral downward. And so it really depends on if if we are in an economic spiral downward, right? We do have evidence of bartering places happening. And so when I wrote my article and it's over on Prepper website, it's called How Preppers Can Thrive in a Barter Economy. I, uh, I will link to it in the show notes so you can go check it out. I do link to an article where, or I'm sorry, to a video where a big bartering community set up and was set up in Argentina. In fact, this bartering, uh, this big community, uh, they all, they even got their own kind of um, money, and I guess it worked more like coupons and things like that. But uh, that was something that they used to make things uh, easily tradable, right? So you're not carrying around everything, but you you have this uh, this ability, and so this is like this big warehouse place where people were just going and trading. And this is back in Argentina, back when Argentina collapsed, you know, years and years ago. And so because of that, you know, I, again, I've talked about Fernando Aguirre, who the modern survivalist, he does his videos. And so I, I looked to him to, you know, tell us a little bit about how bartering happened or what does it look like when bartering happens? And because it did happen in Argentina and he talked about, he talks about it in his book and he also wrote, a, or not wrote, he did a video on the top 10 barter items for SHTF. And so if you go, that's a 30 minute video. He talks about like five things that you can barter that people will want and five things that you might, you might want to have, right? And so that's, I think that's pretty valuable and something that you might want to go check out and uh, information that would that would be uh, helpful for you to know. But I think it's it's valuable to go check out this video that I was talking about in Argentina about how things go. And so if we are in a in an economic spiral and society hasn't completely collapsed and, you know, people are aren't out in the streets shooting each other and, you know, whatever. Right. It's not the pandemic or whatever. It's just an economic spiral downward where people can't afford to go to the store and buy the goods that they want to buy or that they need anymore, but they have things that are valuable that people will trade with them. And so that, that winds up being this part, this, this bartering community, right? So I don't think so. I think that is very valuable. I think that is something that possibly could happen. Again, we have evidence of that. We have seen that happen in modern society. 
When we talk about an SHTF situation or apocalyptic scenario or, you know, the end of the world as we know it, we've never been there before. So we don't know what it would truly look like. We have the movies. Again, I mentioned Jericho. And, you know, if you watched Jericho uh, back in the day when it was, you know, the television show, um, you know, they had this big community, bartering community. You would go in and you know, you couldn't have your guns and different things like that. And you would bring in things to barter and there was, you know, security guards and all that kind of stuff around there. And you could find pretty much anything you needed there. Right. And so you had that. Uh, I know in Mark Goodwin's, a couple of Mark Goodwin's uh, series, there was always a bartering, uh, a place at least where there was a trading post or a place where people could go barter. But in reality, we don't have experience with that. We don't know how that would actually go down. So when we talk about bartering, I think it's we got to be very careful, right? And you got to be very careful because I think people start talking about, well, I'm going to stock this and I'm going to stock that. And this is something that people might want in, you know, if if we were in a SHTF situation. And because I'm going to stock up on a lot of this stuff for bartering, then I'm going to make it rich. You know, I'll be rich. Well, no, that's not necessarily the way that the things go down. I remember reading uh, Rawls's, uh, James Rawls's uh, from survivalblog.com, uh, reading his book, and there was uh, a grandmother. And I, th- I know that I've talked about this before in the past. Uh, at least uh, maybe I've mentioned it to other people. But there was a grandmother who, when she saw things, kind of the financial collapse starting to happen, I think it was Survivors. It might have been one of the other ones. But uh, there was the book Survivors, for those of you that aren't familiar with it. Um, so she saw things that were going down, and she told her daughter to start ordering seeds, right? And so when things kind of all pooped out and and people were needing to grow their own food, this this woman was selling seeds, and really that's kind of how her business started. She was she wasn't selling seed packets. She was giving like five to ten seeds, and she was trading those for other things. And eventually, she was trading so many things that she was able to or, or to start a bartering store. And so people would, were coming in and and bartering guns and different things and tools and stuff like that. And so she got this, you know, this business around what she needed to, to, to do to be able to help her family survive because she had seeds that people were interested in purchasing from her or bartering from her so that they could live, right? And so I, I remember one of the other things is uh, they bartered for, and they started making root beer. And so think about that, right? Root beer of, of all things. And that was one of those things that, that, you know, when people are used to drinking sodas and, and all those types of things, and you don't have anything else but maybe water and tea and maybe coffee, and, and eventually those things are going to run out. But then you say, hey, I can barter, I, you know, here's this, this can of root beer, right? Old-fashioned made root beer and how people would just love that, right? So I remember that was a part of what she did as well. So again, I can't remember if that was uh, Survivor's. Uh, with uh, with James Rawls, or it was one of the other books right after that, but it was one of the fictional books, and I just kind of that always stuck with me. You know, it was the the elderly grandparent who was telling uh, her her daughter, like, "Hey, order as many seeds as you can before things things start happening," and she used that to be able to you know to barter with other people. So 
in reality, we've never, like I said, we've never been there before. So you got to be careful when you're listening to, you know, podcast episodes like this, or when you are reading articles that talk about the things that you need to store, because you might think that, you know, because you read it in an article or just because you think that it might be valuable to people in an SHTF scenario, it might not be completely true. And so you might be dealing with a whole bunch of other things, right? So think about things that people always need. Those types of things, you know, soap, um, hygiene products, a toothbrush. Imagine if you lost your toothbrush or your toothbrush, you used your toothbrush, it, you know, the poop had hit the fan and you used your toothbrush so much that all the bristles were completely gone and you needed a new toothbrush. And then you went to go, go barter with someone and they had a brand new toothbrush in the package. Imagine what that would do for you, right? And, and what you would want. So all, you know, think about the things that people would truly, truly want, not the things that you think that were written in because they were written in an article or you saw it in a movie or whatever. So anyway, I'm going to link to this article that I have on Prepper website. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. So if you're interested, I think those two uh, videos are very valuable and you should go check it out. And like always, I'm going to link to this article from modernsurvivalonline.com, the top bartering skills to have post-collapse. I'm going to link to that in the show notes as well. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 527 with all the congestion and sniffling and all of that that I'm dealing with. Even my mouth running dry sometimes. Uh, hey, if you are listening to this podcast and you are not subscribed, hey, come on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. And that way you can jump onto any of the podcasting networks there and you'll never miss another episode of the podcast. And if you are subscribe then i just want to say thank you and i appreciate you so much for uh you know for supporting the podcast and, and supporting prepper website i just uh, i truly am very grateful for that and if you haven't i'd love for you to connect somehow on social media so i'm on instagram twitter and facebook and then if you haven't joined the facebook group i'd love for you to come on over and be a part of that as well so with that choose to live a more self-reliant life Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.